Welcome to the Arena, where we will enter into current issues and events of the day in an effort to discuss and debate them. The topics will range from theology to politics to pop culture to sports and more. We may not always agree with each other, and you may not always agree with us, but our hope is that you will be challenged to think through these matters along with us, and that you will be edified and encouraged as we step into the Arena. All right. Well, welcome back to uh, the Arena Podcast. We are uh, excited to have uh, our guest with us today. As I'm uh, Bryce, a co-host with my good friend Matthew Martins, and uh, we are nobody calls me Matthew, but my mom. <laughs> <laughs> okay, uh, right, Reverend Martins. Is that? No, that's maybe worse. That's worse. <laughs> okay, uh, but we are joined uh, with our good friend, uh, lead pastor of uh, Calvary Church in Calgary, Clint Humphreys. Clint, say hello to the 10 people that listen to our podcast. <laughs> great to be here. Good to, good to talk to you all. Awesome. So uh, our, our topic today, or our podcast today, uh, is one that is going to deal with uh, kind of publication concerns. I, I'm not sure how else to kind of title that. Uh, and while uh, Matt and I are fairly familiar with stuff we're not as familiar as our our guest here and so it's good to sit here and thank you for coming and uh, we're going to kind of pick your brain on a few things and so i really appreciate you coming and taking time so uh with that i'm going to kind of pass it over to matt and he's just going to kind of grill you with some questions so (laughs) sounds good (laughs) yeah clint you've been a good friend to us and have served us and kind of the pastors of southern alberta really well Uh, i'm gonna toot your horn here a little bit clint uh, as the senior pastor at the uh, Calvary Grace, before we started this podcast, Clint said because of his gray hair, he should call him senior pastor. <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, and you've served us well. And through the COVID season, I know I picked your brain a few times on, hey, what, how should we think about these things? What should we do? What are, what are your thoughts? And you have been a great blessing to us. So thanks for joining us. And uh, thanks for the way you're serving not only your church, but pastors throughout our region. It's mm-hmm. been a great uh, help to us. So mm-hmm. thanks for that. Mm-hmm. Thanks, uh, so yeah, we want to talk today about publications. I don't know how else to say that. So uh, those those organizations that are meant to serve the local church, to serve its pastors, to serve its elders, to serve the the congregants of local churches. Uh, and we're going to look today at two of those, Christianity Today and the Gospel Coalition. And the reason why we want to look at those is because we have some concerns, and I think a lot of folks have some concerns about some of the things that they've been seeing. And we we just like to ask some questions, honest questions that I think we've heard from people and maybe questions we've had ourselves. Um, You know, we look at the local church. uh, 1 Timothy 3.15 tells us that the church is to be a pillar and a buttress of the truth. And so by extension, these organizations should aim to be uh, the same. They should support that. They should support the truth. Second uh, Timothy four famously says, "For those who know their Bible, it says you know, this is Paul just charged to Timothy. He says, preach the word, be ready in season and out of season, reprove, rebuke, and exhort with complete patience and teaching. For the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching, but having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions." And will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. I think some translations use the word swerve. And so our concern with some of these organizations that are meant to serve the church is that we're, we're, we've seen a little bit of swerving and, and we're concerned about that. Um, and we, we want to see these kind of organizations 
prosper. And we, we want to make it clear they're not the church. They're meant to serve the church. And one of the concerns we saw, I think Bryce, you could probably agree with this, during COVID, during the George Floyd stuff, Black Lives Matter, some of the LGBTQ concerns that arose, is that people, instead of going to their local elders or local pastors, were, in, were first going to these kinds of publications and typing in the search engine, what do I think about this? And, and we're concerned about that, and especially if when they do that, they're getting some teaching that may not align with sound doctrine. And so we just wanted to ask some questions about that. And we, we wanted to start with Christianity today. It's been around since 1956, uh, founded or, or at least partly founded by Billy Graham, partly his vision uh, to have a publication that would, that would serve the church in this way. Uh, the first editor of Christianity Today, I believe, was Carl Henry. Uh, some of the early contributors were people like F.F. F. Bruce, Walter Martin, etc. So there was this name brand recognition. And so with that came a lot of trust from the general evangelical population. And that trust held for a lot of years. And yet we've seen some swerving, I think, with that. Do you want to, I know we're going to have you talk mainly about the Gospel Coalition because you're, you're a council member for TGC Canada. I guess for people listening who may not know what TGC stands for, the Gospel Coalition. Um, you're, you're a council member for TGC Canada, but I think you have something to say about Christianity today too. So maybe open it up for you, Clint. Um, what do you, what's your take on Christianity today about its history and where it's at now? Yeah, yeah. Thanks, Matt and Bryce. I, um, well, first, uh, just to, just to say, you know, it's great to be here. Um, the the thought of that pastoral dilemma that you mentioned, as far as people going to uh, resources that are not the church, but that are what we maybe call parachurches, um, that that's a that's a significant problem and I, I know certainly at my church we had the same same issue so it's so it's great that you guys are identifying that and um, I think it's a first step in then understanding where these parachurch resource or publication ministries where where do they fit in terms of church life and so you bring up Christianity today um, uh, I've, I've done uh, a fair bit of study about uh, what you could call the history of evangelicalism. Uh, and Christianity Today was born out of what was called the neo-evangelical movement after World War II. And its intention was to hold on to the same doctrine as the fundamentalists. Uh, but by the time of World War II, many of the fundamentalists, because they had split with their liberal denominations and left those, they had kind of run out of people to fight. And uh, they were just had a tendency to fight amongst themselves. And so then there's neo-evangelical movement. Its intention was to hold on to the same doctrine, but to re-engage with society and try to be salt and light. Um, even today, there's a lot of people saying, you know, that we want uh, Christ to be Lord of all and uh, over every square inch. Well, that was certainly definitely their, their philosophy that they wanted to have, you know, Christian politicians and Christian scientists and Christian doctors and, and uh, you know, and that sort of thing, Christian, Christian business people. So out of that movement, uh, you had a number of institutions developed. Uh, you know, it was, it was this great explosion of institutions that were started up. Now, 
to understand then these early days, uh, I think the most helpful analysis comes from uh, a guy named David F. Wells, uh, who uh, I think he's retired now, but he wrote a book called No Place for Truth or Whatever Happened to Evangelical Theology. I believe it was in maybe about 1997. And, and Wells, uh, he, he made the observation that those early institutions were driven by pastors. It, the first generation of those institutions were driven by pastors, so they had theological concerns, and that shaped them. So uh, that that stood for that was that applied to the seminaries, to the colleges that got started, but it also applied to your first question, which is Christianity today. And so, with Carl Henry at the helm. Uh, Christianity Today was a very theological and theology-driven publication that was to resource the church to show that uh, there was um, some high competency uh, in engaging with the Bible and applying it uh, to not only the history of theology in the church, but also to contemporary issues, ethical issues and that sort of thing. And so those early Christianity Today articles are outstanding. You can go back to them. Uh, they're very rich. So very good. But Wells made the argument that the second generation uh, of leadership of Christianity Today and, and of many of the institutions, not just, not just them, the second generation uh, was taken over by guys who were essentially managers and marketers mm. when would that have been roughly so i think i think he would he would see it in the late 60s early 70s uh and and i can't remember the year exactly but in the early 70s there was i think time magazine called it the year of the evangelical mm. so so you have this pinnacle uh of of this evangelical movement this burgeoning you know you got the baby boom uh, people are coming of age. There's lots of money. Churches are big. Seminaries are growing. Bible colleges are full. Um, and, and it's certainly the same in Canada as well. And so with that, with that expansion, you have then this, this the, the guys who are good at, at managing institutions, they took over. Uh, and I'm sure they all love the Lord and this sort of thing, but 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 they weren't pastors, mm. and so the parachurch nature of of an institution like Christianity Today, um, it really started to show its inherent weaknesses mm. just in that structure. Um, another way maybe to think of it is is then it it, it got into a mission creep, you mm. know, it, it gets it's getting beyond its mission, and Wells. He actually does. He he does almost uh, in a sociological study. He does. A, he he did an analysis of even the content of Christianity Today, of of the way that its advertising changed, and that's probably the most dominant thing. Was the the magazine became dominated by advertising, mm. and uh, and so then it really you know took off that way. And so that's how then it made more money and and all these things and had this clout. But then as it broadened out, well then it really ceased to be theologically evangelical. Um, there was not a commitment 
to inerrancy in the mm. same way. The so-called battle for the Bible happened. There was a book of that, of that title by a guy named Harold Linzel. And Harold Linzel had been, uh, he had been uh, one of the original, if not the founding co-editor, or I forget exactly his title with Christianity Today, but he documented um, the, the way that inerrancy was dropped by one of these institutions, which was Fuller Seminary. Hmm. Uh, and Fuller, uh, it was supposed to be the new Princeton. It was supposed to be this bastion of Bible-believing, Bible-teaching scholarship. And what happened was uh, that it had one of its main guys come back from Germany, and, and he essentially didn't believe in inerrancy anymore, mm -hmm. and yet was still signing the statement. And then they had then, then everybody started massaging the statement. And mm -hmm. anyways, Linzel documents that as the battle for the Bible. Well, that's why then you had you had to have then responses like the Chicago Statement on Inerrancy, which you know maybe some of your listeners might be familiar with. And so then, inerrancy became then a, a key benchmark to continue to divine evangelicals. But you had to come out and say it explicitly. So, so with the Chicago Statement on Inerrancy, would that have been? So, are you saying that it was in part a response to Christianity Today? Or, or, is, or am I or, reading that wrong? Uh, maybe, maybe that, and more so the other institutions. Uh, but Christianity Today was following the trends of what the institutions were doing. Okay. And um, so I, I don't know if I could say that it was responding specifically to Christianity Today. Yeah, okay. But it was more at, even at the academic level amongst mm. these evangelical institutions. Yeah. And that's why I remember I had a prof who just shook his head and wondered why evangelicals continued to send people to be trained at Fuller mm. when it was explicitly not an evangelical institution. And, and this even gets to today where, um, you know, especially we get out of the U.S., there's the talk of, well, what are the evangelicals doing? Or who are they voting for? Mm. Evangelicals, are they voting for Trump? There was even a group called Evangelicals for Biden. Right. Well, what is an evangelical, as, <laughs> as Martin Lloyd-Jones asked? Right. You know, what is an evangelical? Mm -hmm. and, and so is it, and I've really thought about more lately, you know, evangelicals are being defined as by sociology. Mm. How do they affiliate? What's their voting patterns? versus what do they believe right and and i would contend i think everybody your listeners would too that evangelicals need to be defined theologically yeah and that's how it was originally mm. but then with the sociological change and the marketers and wells would argue too the rise then in the 70s the late 70s especially of the seeker sensitive movement and the megachurch movement you know, these mass movements. You had kind of maybe pioneered a little bit by a guy like Robert Schuller. Well, Robert Schuller in Crystal Cathedral, well, it was, yeah, it was mass marketing. It was uh, on TV, big church, but it was the power of positive thinking. It was, uh, it, it was taking hell out, taking the offense of the gospel out, the offense of the cross out. And, and yeah, then it was popular. And so that became then a, a, a model uh, that many of the megachurch seeker-sensitive guys followed. Um, unfortunately, in Canada, 
you know everything was kind of everything up here is kind of 10 years 10 years <laughs> late right so so we once once the fad starts to fade in the u.s well that's about when canada starts picking it up and so we've actually had when you think of the big churches in canada they've almost universally followed that that methodology the seeker sensitive mm -hmm. megachurch methodology but that but then wells would argue that that's just all part of the decline both of us christianity today is a test case but also the decline of evangelical theology uh, at the core of the churches. Mm -hmm. And churches then were oriented to, you know, entertainment, mm -hmm. music, marketing, and so forth. Mm -hmm. and, and that's kind of how it, how it played out into, you know, finishing the 20th century. Mm -hmm. uh, Christianity today, you know, increasingly tapped into the non-evangelical schools, non-evangelical organizations, but because of its pedigree and it, it had been around for a while, it would still attract different evangelical, or at least on paper, evangelical churches or, or right. organizations or publishers that would still do things with them. Mm -hmm. um, so that's maybe yeah. a little bit of an overview of Christianity yeah. today, um, yeah. at, least, at least from the last century. Yeah, no, that's good, Clint. So from what you're saying there, when that second generation came around, that's... Yeah. 15-ish years thereabouts, kind of after the, the start of the publication. And that's where we start to see some cracks, and then we move forward. And certainly, uh, the most famous uh, publication that's come out of Christianity Today in the last few years has been The Rise and Fall of Mars Hill. Yeah. And I think you saw a lot of the... Um, the, the cracks, if you want to call it that, in Christianity Today within that podcast, even though there were some things that were in there that were beneficial, certainly. Um, but you certainly saw two things that really caught my attention. I think, I think Bryce noted this too. You saw a real egalitarian push in that podcast, and you saw a lot of talk about deconstructionism. That was significant yeah. in that. So you just see how far that it has come since 1956 to this point where these things aren't even, they're not even up for debate in the minds of those who are putting it out there. And so that's concerning to us. Uh, so thanks for giving us that overview. Yeah. Um, I mean, if I could comment just on that, like, yeah. I mean, you, you, that you, you mentioned that podcast. Um, the irony is, you know, Mike Cosper having been who hosted that podcast, um, he had been steeped in that world and, and yet, now it's 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 a trend it, it happened with christianity today and a lot of those where there's a trend where there's this distancing from more conservative theology mm -hmm. and and mars hill was was a horribly flawed outfit mm -hmm. but uh then there's kind of then this distancing from things that are socially uh, socially unacceptable yeah. namely the idea that you know, only qualified men mm -hmm. can be pastors. Yeah. Well, that's socially unacceptable. Right. Well, to run away from that, uh, to, to, to distance oneself from that, you see then a lot of professedly evangelicals, they're, they're in quite a hurry to make sure everybody knows that they don't believe that. Yeah. Um, and and the, the deconstruction part, you're seeing sadly that this this is a phenomenon. It's it's just it's it's more of a a, a way to describe the a biblical case of apostasy, mm -hmm. but but the issues are, you have churches that actually were not doctrinally based, 
but we're in this kind of sociology-based or marketing-based. Mm-hmm. And I think Mars Hill had that too. The irony was that it had some good theology for a season, yeah. but it was marketing that. Mm-hmm. It, was, it was marketing that. I think it's a great danger and a warning to all of us who want to hold to good doctrine is to be careful that we're not using godliness as a means of gain. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a trap for mm-hmm. conservatives, if I can yeah. put it that way. Because yeah. uh, we can market how how solid we are, yeah. and, and actually we're undermining our very message. Yeah, that's a good, very good warning. Thanks for Thanks for sharing that. So let's move now to the Gospel Coalition. That's a good framework. I wanted sure. to set that because that's an, uh, a pretty established you know, organization, well over 50 years old, uh, and we can see some of the warning signs from Christianity today. About 15-ish or so years after its inception, it begins to show some cracks. Well, the Gospel Coalition, the OG, as my, <laughs> as my 15-year-old would say, the OG Gospel Coalition, <laughs> the American version, uh, was founded, I believe, in 2005. So here we are, 17 years after its inception. And so we're in that kind of range. And so we're concerned a little bit. It was founded by, uh, um, is it just T.A. Carson and Tim Keller? Or were there others who were kind of part of that? Those are the two guys that had the initial pastors meeting yeah. in, in uh, near Chicago. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, if I was to give a list of all the people that are current, I think currently still on the council of the American Gospel Coalition, it's kind of a who's who. You got Kevin DeYoung, Ligon Duncan, I believe Mark Dever. Is he part of? I, he's, he's they kind of made him emeritus or something. Yeah, yeah. Urban yeah. Lutzer, John Piper. Yeah. Like, there's a lot of names in there that we would look at and go, man, I trust these guys. These yeah. are these are sound, godly, uh, theologically rich men, and uh, they're part of the council. And so again, name recognition, much like Christianity Today had that name recognition, and so we trusted it. Same thing with the Gospel Coalition. Uh, so before we get into maybe some of the concerns we have, maybe could you pull back the curtain for some of our listeners and help us understand how a coalition works? Because I don't think many understand that. Like We think of this thing as just a, another organization like anything else. But is there a way that a coalition works that may be different than how other organizations might work? Yeah. So it's a really good question is trying to trying to pin down what, what a coalition is. Um, Often when we think of a Christian ministry, especially, a, say, a parachurch ministry, um, it has a, a distinct uh, voice, let's say. It's got a singular voice because it's got, it's got one thing that it does. Uh, if it's a, a Bible college or seminary, well, it, it, it trains people. If it uh, does uh, evangelistic work in foreign countries, well, that's what it does. Like, it's, it's not doing things... Uh, domestically. It's doing things on the field. Uh, They've got one, and so they kind of have one voice, one lane. What you have, one of the challenges with a coalition is that you don't necessarily have one voice, and yet people expect it to have one voice. Uh, It maybe has one website, but it's, (laughs) you know, it's got one website, but it's actually this coalition of voices who then are people who have agreed to a doctrinal statement. So there is a doctrinal statement that in some senses is wide, in other senses is very narrow. Um, And so they've agreed to that. And in the coalition, 
you're you're basically uh, doing many many people have talked about it. Al Mohler has a has a good essay on 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 the idea of theological triage, the idea of what's what's of primary or first importance, what's of secondary importance that's very important but maybe not not as much as the primary, and then what's third or fourth order in importance, and so then you have people who work together who are speaking and trying to, to facilitate a, some networking, some uh, combining of resources, but they're doing so with an agreement up to a point. And that, that means that the doctrinal basis, that's the core, uh, that's what's the binder, but you do have quite a bit of diversity. And, and it's not just even diversity, <laughs> I mean, I've seen it, not just diversity, uh, we, generally, when people talk about diversity, they think of ethnic diversity, mm. but but diversity of culture in terms of church cultures, mm. um, the difference between a, a, a church that might say, "Yeah, well, we're Calvinists," but they they raise their hands and and sing sing uh, songs with a with a heavy drum beat, versus a, a church that that sings uh, sings psalms only mm. without accompaniment. Or hymns with with a strong organ, um, you know. So that's kind of that's kind of uh, you know that kind of cultural diversity, and and that then apply when you get into then contested issues, specifically issues of how to apply how we live uh, in in society. You can get very divergent applications. Uh, even amongst people that are that are you know believing the same core you know even this this assemblage of core things, so that's a little bit the problem. I'll just say like one uh, the question came to uh, to Don Carson at a meeting, and you know just kind of like you know what's the what's the gospel coalition view on X? Right. Well, he said it is a, then a little bit like like asking you know what is what is Christianity today's view on X? Well, you know, who cares? Like, it's you've got individual writers with Christianity today. They're going to have different opinions. They might have back and forth. Um, you know, there is no there is no kind of solitary gospel coalition view. Or if or say a denomination might come out and make a make a statement you know on something well then that's the denomination's view that all the churches of that denomination are subscribing to mm -hmm. but beyond the doctrinal statement that tgc has they there is no other unified uh mm -hmm. unified confession and that's why it's not it's not really a denomination mm -hmm. there's no there's no discipline uh, mm -hmm. There's no discipline component. Like, how do you how do you discipline somebody out? Uh, it's it's very much a voluntary organization. Uh, it has there's a little bit of a of a parachurch structure mm -hmm. at the top, um, but it's but it's just basically a collection of people who are working together and and having these resources, which 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 also has its own weaknesses and flaws, mm -hmm. and and some of that I think that's being exposed as time goes on right um anyway so that's maybe a, an opening just to look at the idea of a coalition yeah that's helpful because immediately when you're when you're sharing that it immediately strikes me that that's where you can see some of the the problems that could arise when yep. this writer says one thing and this writer says another thing and they appear to be on different planets yeah and so that's where that that kind of thing can happen so that that helps a, a lot 
Uh, we're going to get to TGC Canada in a little bit, uh, but can you maybe just explain how connected is the American TGC and the Canadian TGC? Like, are they birds of a feather? Are they are they different altogether? Like, how connected are they? Yeah. So uh, TGC US uh, had, uh, I think, two maybe three men from Canada on its council. So it, so I had a couple of guys, a uh, few few guys on their council, their U.S. council, and as as the Gospel Coalition U.S. developed, um, it had, I think, uh, Atlantic Canada, uh, Quebec, and Ontario. Uh, they were the three, if I recall correctly, they were the three that were developed chapters of the Gospel Coalition U.S. Mm. So that so they so they had done that uh, so there were chapters down there and even act, after TGC Canada got started and we were thinking about having chapters in Canada there was still some of these other groups they were actually chapters of the U.S. group mm. um, so 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 that's what you had you had TGC U.S. Um, with a couple of pastors well then one of the pastors John Mahaffey who was friends with Don Carson he at his instigation there there was a there was a Gospel Coalition Ontario chapter meeting, and from that, those brothers in Ontario were burdened that really Canada needed its its own Gospel Coalition, and so then then there was a, an invitation of a number of pastors to begin talks uh, with uh, creating Gospel Coalition Canada. But the idea, and Carson made this explicit, was that this was not. Uh, the head office is in the U.S., and here's the Canadian franchise. Mm. Um, the idea was we had to come up with our own statement, our own board. Everything had to be of our of our own. And I would even say that one one wrinkle in that, just as an example, is there was a few. Even though we used the template, so 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 there mm. is resonance. We used the template from the U.S. We didn't just kind of create something from scratch. Um, we used their template, but um, we tightened, uh, you know, one of the statements about uh, about creation and about um, about the historicity of Adam and things like that. There was a we we tweaked a little bit of that statement to make it a little bit tighter, uh, you know, just because we were concerned with, you know, possibilities of people holding to theistic evolution, uh, kind of being mm -hmm. able to wedge in there. Mm -hmm. So that was just an ex one example where we were talking about some issues where we actually preferred to change it a little bit. And we did. Uh, so that was how that, that went. So, so to answer your initial question, the Gospel Coalition, they, they gave us their documents. They gave us, you know, like handbooks or whatever, just their kind of guiding document kind of material. They, they also later, they gave us uh, basically uh, a website uh, they gave us the uh, a template templates for websites that were quite, uh, especially the latest ones, quite sophisticated because it gets hacked so badly. Mm. It has hacking attacks uh, that are epic. <laughs> People going after you know because they hate Christians. Mm. Uh, so so then the security on that. Well, we pro we never could have afforded the website infrastructure. So they gave us that. So they gave us the website. They gave us the documents and 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 the name mm. and that's it okay uh, but there's no there's no connection 
Um, I mean, certainly we talk, certainly we get advice, but there's no there's no formal connection between TGCUS. Uh, the only other one that's that's a, a little bit of an element, and this is the same for any of the groups like TGC Australia or um, uh, the the uh, uh, Evangel uh, 21 uh, and SOLA, the French-speaking uh, TGC groups. Um, we get invited to observe the Gospel Coalition U.S. meetings, but you know we don't got a vote and we don't have a say and we don't really matter too much <laughs> to be honest but but they, typical americans yeah exactly a little bit like that you know like they really you know they got their own fish to fry they don't really but they're generous enough to let us sit in and kind of see a little bit going on and uh and so that's instruct they've been instructive for us to kind of witness that mm-hmm that's that's about right. I mean, D. A. Carson's a Canadian who helped start this American thing. Then the Americans just take over. That's kind of yeah, how it yeah, works. Yeah, right? yeah, Canada right. starts it all, but whatever. Yeah, yeah. That's, there you go. Yeah, yeah. Uh, no, that's good. And you uh, were just on a technical yeah. note. Were you part of the original TGC Canada Council? Yes. Okay. So, and I seem to remember if I was there a video of of all the original council members at was it a Parliament singing O Canada? Yeah, is singing the doxology oh, that's in, what it in was. the Peace yeah. Tower. That's right. And that's right. and it was. An, you know, it was an incredible moment. We were just all up there. We were in Ottawa in this initial uh, starting of TGC Canada, and we had got a tour uh, from a Christian uh, staffer who works for a senator. We got a tour of the parliament. Uh, was a great guy toured us around. And we were singing the doxology, and and we found out afterwards that that Justin Trudeau had, had just passed through underneath mm. uh, on his way to... I think at that time, see, uh, I forget. Well, I was, I was going to say, yeah, he's going to see Obama. So it was during Obama's end of, oh. end of Obama's presidency would have been. And, and we just thought, wow, he heard the, he mm. heard the doxology and, you know, and we just, you know, we prayed for him and prayed mm. for Canada. And, mm. and of course, all of the, all of the Christian symbolism in the parliament buildings, you know, and just mm. reminded of that and concern for, the advance of the gospel mm-hmm. in this country that that did have uh, a Christian basis in its founding, and that mm-hmm. was certainly a, a concern that that all of us shared. That we wanted to, you know, not not let this slip. We don't have to let secularism win. Yeah, no, that's good. Thanks for that backdrop. That's helpful. So going back to the uh, the American sure. uh, TGC for just a, a minute here, Let's, I want to just take us to a couple to, to some concerns that we're seeing. Um, and I don't know, Clint, I, you know, I don't know how much you can speak to this or, or whatever, but I'll just throw it out there and you can say what you want about it. But just, to, just as an example, the, the recent little while here, we've seen some things that have been put up on social media by them or whatever. And, and it's, it's always a, a difficult thing when social media has become the thing, right? So we start to judge organizations based on what they put up on Instagram or Facebook or Twitter or whatever. Uh, but it's a reality of the world we live in. So... There was a, an article put out uh, on the, the Enneagram uh, by the uh, American TGC folks. And I forget who wrote that. Do you remember who wrote that? Joe article? Carter. Yeah, Joe Carter. That's right. Yeah. Uh, not, that I, not that the name is... Not, not the baseball player. No, <laughs> <laughs> that's exactly where my... Go, go Jays. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's a sensitive topic. That's a good yeah, one. Okay, yeah. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, so in that article, I mean, it's a, it's a lengthy article, but... Uh, if I could boil it down, essentially, he acknowledged the uh, 
occultic background and roots of it and basically said, but, you know, just exercise discernment and go ahead and use it. Well, that was a little concerning, to say the least. And then recently, there was, I believe it was a question that was asked to the Gospel Coalition regarding, um, you know, my co-worker is uh, going to get married to someone of the same sex, and I'm invited to the wedding, what should I do? And there was a lengthy response to it, and in part, I want to read to you, uh, a part of the response, and this was put up on their, I think it was their Instagram page. Uh, in part, it was, it was this was part of the answer. Every culture and nation must find common consent in public ethics, specifically on what is prohibited, permitted, and promoted for the common good. True toleration must include living peaceably with deep differences. Most Western nations have extended marital status to arrangements other than heterosexual monogamy. The wise Christian will affirm the legal right of consenting adults to order their lives without fear. Now, it goes on from there. But that is quite a statement to drop from an organization referring to themselves as the Gospel Coalition. And there is a lot of feedback I heard from folks who are reading this and going, what? So what are we to make of that? What, do you, what, what is your take on that, Clint? Well, that kind of language, first off, is, uh, is, is very concerning. It's, it's sloppy. And uh, e even trying to think the best of the writer. Um, but, but at the same time, the idea of, of using a language of affirmation, when, uh, specifically when we're thinking of, of you know, probably the mo most dominant uh, issue that we, that we face, that the church is facing, namely same-sex marriage and, and the advocacy of the LGBT uh, lobby, well, well, then when you when when then you have then a uh, then let's let's face it these these articles are viewed as authority pieces. Mm -hmm. We're looking for a resource that's from an authority that then is going to give guidance. Well, here's this authority piece, and it's speaking in at best confusing ways, and at worst in in then an affirmation of same-sex marriage for example well well then that then then all of a sudden it's undermining then the the sense of trust that people have in that mm -hmm. um now you know i i saw the article i wasn't i wasn't very happy with it um i think uh the you know what's interesting is even in response to that kind of question i i think that's the, well that's one where you have to have pastors answering that, mm. uh, you have to have pa pastors who are who are aware of both the, the the with pastoral sensitivity, but also the need to draw the clear clarity, the clear doctrinal lines. Mm -hmm. And um, and I don't know the author, uh, but it doesn't strike me from what I understand of him that he's a pastor. He's, he's more works with seems more works with institutions and uh, and and leadership in in uh, in the public square uh, so that's that's a little bit the problem again where you're getting non pastors like it'd be I, you can guarantee it there'd be a different take on it if Kevin DeYoung was responding mm -hmm. and Kevin DeYoung had written on the topic mm -hmm. if I recall correctly which which would have then run counter to what this individual said yeah. so the so then so then you got to ask the question okay why why is this poorly written, or, or if it's not poorly written, it's very maybe mm -hmm. that is the messaging. If if this message is being let out, 
then who's who's calling the shots on that? Yeah, who's, that, that's a who, great question. Who, who's why is that getting out there? Why is it going on the Instagram? Why is it being brought up again? Well, well, this is where then, and and the parallels with Christianity today maybe then are are then a little bit appropriate at this point is one of the things that with Gospel Coalition U.S. is uh, it it's it ha it's going to struggle. Uh, with its own success, Carson and Keller had no idea, and they, and Carson has said this. They had no idea that TGCUS would would, would become what it is today, mm. which is this behemoth. Um, it brings in lots of money. Its website, I mean, the statistics on its website are just astounding mm -hmm. uh, globally, and you know it, it and it is accessed around the world. Mm. Um, and and so so then because of that though the layers and layers of editors and you know section editors and then writers and and people filtering who's who's contributing well that just expands and then who has the say so of where where things are um, you know well then it becomes then a little bit of a content aggregator and and oh okay well. Here's this issue. We want to address this issue. Oh, here's content. Here's an article. And that may be the case with what happened here. I don't know exactly. Mm -hmm. But that's where, you know, you, you get the guys who are in the council at that level. Well, they're not. They're not looking. They didn't see this article before it went out. So, so that's a question. I guess yeah, maybe some sure. of our, our listeners might have because it's one I heard from a few yeah. folks. Like, if Kevin DeYoung and and John Piper, uh, John Piper, I believe, is he part of the Council of Biblical Manhood and Womanhood? Uh, or he probably was. I, I was, actually I, can't remember who can't, all was on, but yeah, I yeah think I'm just he, thinking off certainly. Head I, I think he was. He was in the initial stages yeah. there, as far as. Yeah, you know, whatever the case, but you got these guys. Uh, some people have asked, well, what's the point of having this kind of council of these kinds of men who can't at least go to the editors and say, hey, we got to stop putting these things out? Like, yeah, uh, some people ask, well, what's the point of having these guys on the council if they're not able to control or, or at least have a say in the content? And yeah, uh, so I, yeah, yeah, I think I think there is there. What, what happens, though, it ends up being a little bit retroactive. Mm. Um, so then. You know, it's just like anybody. If people are delegated to carry out tasks, you're not necessarily micromanaging yeah, them. Yeah. Yeah. And but then the people who are editing or the people who are you know put posting, who's the who's the person who posts to the Instagram account? Mm -hmm. Well, I, I'm pretty sure nobody would know their name. Right. Um. Okay. But that. But it's it's not John Piper posting, right? <laughs> you know, right. to get on there and he's, you know, banging away on his iPhone trying to get it get his I'd eyesight, love to see a picture of eyesight of his fingers to try to get this together. You know. Oh, there it goes. Uh, I can't run mine, little sure. You know. So, but anyway. So he. So then. So then it's a little bit the challenge of a of a mega organization. Mm. Uh, you know, I mean, Carl Truman coined the phrase Big Eva, which mm. now is used as a pejorative. Mm. Um, the irony is, like, and, and TGC is a big organization. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, the irony is that they're also, Big Eva includes a lot of other uh, of these, I think, sociological evangelical groups, not theological groups as well. And so, that, so then in all of that, there's all these kind of layers. Um, I... 
one of the things I've observed in the U.S., and this just speaks to TGCUS, from a Canadian perspective, is that there are regional things going on in the U.S., mm. denominational things, um, all, all kinds of like kind of mini cultures in the U.S. that are influencing and and going back and forth. Like like I don't I don't understand uh, East Coast christianity in the mm. u.s right right like the density of churches the density of denominations the way the mega churches influence things uh the way scandals have affected people i don't understand that mm. i don't really understand the chicago land way things are which used to be the hub of mm. neo-evangelicalism yeah. now it's kind of like the old legacy evangelicalism and now I don't know where's the center of it. Is it Louisville? Is it Nashville? Like where's where's these hubs at? Mm -hmm. And then you've got then the West where there isn't anything until then you get to, you know, John MacArthur's church in mm -hmm. LA, and then it's this kind of big voice, but then kind of standing always always a little bit uh, you know, at a, at a distance from then this mega movement and this sort of thing, while having lots of resonance and connection with individuals within it, and being very careful in its connections that way. Mm -hmm. So, so I mean, the regional stuff. I, I mean, sometimes I thought I understood it, and then I keep coming away and realize, no, I don't know what I'm talking <laughs> about. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. That's fair. No, I appreciate that. Let me. Do you have any? Were you going to jump in? Nope. Okay. Uh, let me move now to the Canadian side of things. It started roughly twenty seventeen ish. Yeah, I think so. Something like that. It, uh, it must. Or was it twenty fifteen when we were first having the discussions? Maybe okay. because yeah, like I said, I, re I remember distinctly Trudeau was going to see Obama, so it must have been before yeah, Trump. That's right. That's right. Yeah, we mark right. everything by twenty sixteen. <laughs> was was the turning point. point, point. Yeah, BT before yeah, Trump. Yeah, before. that's right. <laughs> Yeah, uh, he would try to change. It. Yeah, 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 probably. Um, so yeah, the Canadian brand, and I think folks were really excited when that started because we saw, like you said, the behemoth that was the uh, TGC US, and and I think there was a sense, and at least maybe locally here, at least there was a real sense of like, wow, it's great to be able to have Canadian uh, content, people who know the Canadian landscape who can speak to some of these things for us. And and so there was, a, I think, an eagerness and an excitement when TGC Canada launched, and that's good. Um, and there's been much good that has come from TGC Canada. I've read some articles that have been very helpful. Um, however, there have been some concerning things. And, and I, Clint, I, you're, you're a council member. I, I certainly don't want to put you in any uh, you know, awkward positions. I'm just going to ask questions and let you answer them. You bet. Um, so... One of the big ones that came up, uh, and, and I'll be honest, I would be lying if I said I didn't have questions about it because I did, and that was uh, a few years back now, I guess it'd be, the, there was a, I think it was a three-part uh, interview series with Bruxy Cavey, um, and I, well, I'll, I'll maybe let you maybe speak to who Bruxy Cavey even is, and then maybe speak to, if you can, or as much as you're able to, how those came about and I'll just be honest in saying I, a lot of folks expressed concern to me about that, and, and I had concern about that. I, I didn't understand why that was happening, and so, but there's probably things that I'm not aware of, and, and so it'd be good to hear from you as far as kind of how that all shook down. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. I can speak to it. Um, the uh, one of the things with 
that you notice that, you know there's this excitement that we all had with TGC Canada is is this this idea that we can have a a coalition of like-minded churches Christians pastors uh, people who are holding to in that triage holding to a certain you know thing, agreed upon things and that together we can kind of support one another in developing resources in Canada and and just basically raising even the level of theological conversation amongst churches and Christians so so that that's kind of the you know the aim um, with the with the Bruxy Cavey thing well Bruxy Cavey was uh, a pastor of what was uh, the, the meeting house i believe his mm -hmm. name of his church was and it was it was a it was a pretty uh, extensive uh, multi-site uh, group of churches in southern ontario uh, so it was a very much a you know they might have churches beyond that but it was basically a southern ontario phenomenon mm -hmm. um, and so he was very influential uh, he was a guy who uh, I would say was was a, a popularizer of of NT rights theology, yeah. um, and and so and a lot of people you know they get very quickly enamored with uh, the aesthetics of NT rights writing, mm -hmm. some of his scholarship, and so they really become uh, NT right fans. Uh, so Bruxy was very much in that stream. He was in a, a you know he was this kind of adamant Anabaptist. Uh, and and so had, uh, in my view, some really quirky, quirky doctrines. Even even thinking from an Anabaptist perspective, but he would kind of flat wave that flag of being an Anabaptist, and and his thing was all always kind of being a bit of a bit of a rebel against established Christianity. Which you know, as we know in this marketing age, uh, being that that was his brand. And he yeah. was very much a marketer. Now, so, correct me if I'm wrong, too. Sure. Like, he also did not hold to the penal substitutionary atonement. Is that correct? I, be I believe that's what I heard well, him that's, say. Well, that's kind of that's kind of what came out. Like that yeah. that it got dug out. So, so he, uh, so basically, what happened was Paul Carter, who's on the Gospel Coalition Council, was asked. He didn't. It wasn't Paul's idea. He was asked to engage with this. Bruxy Cavey, and to basically engage on a talking through theology and talking through and kind of seeing you know similarities and differences to try to try to reveal okay well where where is this guy at and through that process then you know it became clear that that Bruxy Cavey didn't believe in penal substitutionary atonement was quite proud of the fact. Um, he he was clever enough that sometimes he could say things that sounded more orthodox than they were, mm -hmm. and and that was a tricky part. Um, and and out of those discussions, which were extremely difficult to to conduct, I think. Um, but I think Paul was trying to do the best that he could. One of the things I, I always just want to remind people with with Paul Carter is Carter was a guy who led a renewal movement in a liberal denomination and and led that renewal group out of the liberal denomination over issues of biblical sexuality and just a remarkable it's uh, something people aren't really recognizing enough just how amazing that was for him to do that and so he he did his best to try to have this you know he was given some parameters and trying to work through how to how to have this conversation 
out of that because it it did stir up a lot of conversation and uh, you know there was question about about just even the whole project was this a good idea um was it a good idea to give if this guy if this bruxy cavey had bad bad teaching bad theology why give him any kind of megaphone mm -hmm. uh to even share his views right uh another 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 concern that was brought up uh by guys on the council uh, was just we don't know who this guy is mm -hmm. if you don't if you're not from southern ontario who is this guy who cares right and so that then you you get a little bit the regional tensions of is this <laughs> if it's a big if it's a big deal in ontario it must be a big deal for canada <laughs> but then the rest of canada is kind of well, no, it's not a big deal for the rest of Canada. It's kind of like care. how we feel about the Maple Leafs. Yeah, yeah, whoa, well, whoa, 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 whoa. yeah, <laughs> Leafs, Jays, all that stuff. Yeah, so, so that's kind of then just some. So, so part of it, I would say, is um, it, there's you know kind of good intention to again. Here's here's we're, here's this Canadian contextual ministry. How does then the doctrinal commitments of the Gospel Coalition? How does that engage with? with uh you know kind of the neighbors as it were in 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 uh southern ontario how does that how does that work so it's kind of canadian thing but it but it kind of revealed just some of the challenges of well our regional concerns the same concerns as all of canada um should we should we be talking with these kinds of people these kinds of groups is this is is tgc the forum for that now, out of that, we the the council. Then we we came out with a doctrinal statement about these things, just clarifying, you know, just penal substitutionary atonement and and the need, the the priority of that, even in the infrastructure of the gospel, mm. uh, that Christ uh, not only was our full substitute, but also that He suffered the wrath of God against sin, mm -hmm. uh, and and so that and 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 because of then that wrath bearing for our sins well then when our sins are put on him we can know that when he said it is finished it is finished mm -hmm. like actually they the wrath the punishment has been poured out on those sins there's none no wrath left for us romans 8 1 there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in christ jesus so mm -hmm. that's that's key and fundamental to the gospel yeah. and so so then we just kind of you know we had to kind of come up with a statement because there was confusion about it and it's I think it was a learning experience for us. Uh, ma many people might have said, "Oh, why? Why did you even bother?" Well, maybe we shouldn't have. But at the same time, there was, you know, we're trying to think th creatively about ways to engage in Canada, and we we learned a lot from that. I think. Yeah. No, I appreciate you speaking to that, Clint. I, that was in the earlier years, I think, of the TGC Canada. So, I, like you said, there's probably a lot of learning that's going on as, in your infancy there too. So, um, yeah, I appreciate you speaking to that. Um, one one more thing I want to talk about when it comes to TGC Canada, as far as an issue that was that was pretty <laughs> visible and and what have you, and, and I got asked a lot. Maybe you got asked too about this, um, and, and I think our listeners are, are curious just about where this is at. So whatever you can speak to about this would be great. Now I'm, I'm about to ask you about uh, TGC's response or TGC Canada's response to the jailed pastors. But before I do that, I just I do want to say this is a question for TGC or about TGC Canada, not about Clint Humphrey. Uh, Clint, you were when when um, James Coates and Tim Stevens were, uh, you know, behind bars. You were so helpful for us in terms of advocacy, writing letters to our premier, to our MLAs, figuring out how to do that. Uh, 
to, to, to advocate for the release of these men. You were kind of on the front line of that here in Alberta, and we really appreciated that. So we just really want to thank you for, for what you did to try to help these men and their churches. Um, so but pulling it back to TGC Canada, I'm just going to give you the perception. I'm not saying this is right or wrong. This was the perception of many, and, and I'll, I think in the earliest stages, it was, if I'm being honest, it was my perception too. And I'm not saying it's right or wrong. I'm just saying this was a perceived uh, thought. And I'd love for you to be able to answer it because perception isn't always right. There's lots of things even at the local church level where we make decisions and the people perceive one thing, but they're not, they're not privy to what's going on behind closed yeah. doors. So, yeah. um, so here's the perception that I heard and I, even I felt a little bit myself. When, uh, you know, at the height of all the COVID stuff going on, I think it was uh, March, I believe, of 2020. I believe it was something around there. Or 2021, sorry. Um, James Coates is is arrested and held for 35 days, I believe it was. And then Tim Stevens was arrested a little while later. Uh, Essentially, they were holding church services and were not abiding by the restrictions. And it seemed as if TGC Canada was radio silent on the matter for a long time before any kind of article or statement was written. Meanwhile, the residential school uh, graves were found. And there was an immediate response. If it wasn't the same day that that news came out, it was at least the next day. Within 24 hours, there was an immediate response, articles written pretty quickly. And the perception, and so I want to stress, this was the perception was that there was, it seemed like perhaps one was more politically expedient to speak to Mm. and one was more politically expedient to not speak to. That was the perception. Uh, Now, I'm not saying that was right. I'm just saying that's how it was perceived. Can can you speak to that at all? Yeah, yeah, I can speak to it. So um, one of the things you see in terms of, because you're referring to the issue of speed, the speed of response and the speed of, uh, and, and the ability to to speak into these things. Well, one of the things that I, I specifically when uh, when James and Tim uh, during their arrest and just all that all that trial, what you had I think was a lot of people actually doing the doing a good thing, which was they're hustling uh, and doing a lot of work with their local church, with their local governments or local provincial governments uh everybody was really scrambling doing a lot of work on that front and it was kind of like it kind of showed how yeah tgc canada will it's a it's a parachurch coalition it's it's not the local church and the local church everybody's busy Mm -hmm. that's what my perception was everybody's busy working on unity in their own churches working how to navigate how these things how to how to support how to do you know how where they're going to position themselves um whereas and, and so it wasn't a case necessarily that, uh, oh, well, the, here's, here's then the TGC Canada policy that we're not going to comment on this. Mm. Uh, it's more, uh, more just a matter of, well, okay, who who who's actually has the bandwidth, the time to, to give them the thoughtful response that's going to engage? And, and then, and that it, and that it actually um, is, is then appropriate to the coalition. Uh, you know, uh, certainly you can have people, we could have had people uh, kind of give 
one one kind of angle on things and kind of advance one angle on it but then in the intent of trying to express at least the triage of the coalition well then it isn't necessarily right to have just kind of one angle and and that's a little bit kind of how it could go and that's those are the tensions uh, you mentioned that just uh, then it seemingly a perceived quick response say on the residential school question well something like that is something we've been able to think about for for a long time for many many years and and you can and I, if I, I think in that instance there was already an article in the pipe you know re in the pipeline ready to ready to go oh well then put it out you know mm -hmm. that kind of thing uh, one thing though this it kind of reveals a little bit is the challenges of TGC Canada is that um, like I like I it'd be curious to know for the listeners how how big the staff they think is that TGC mm. Canada has mm. you know is there is there 20 people mm. 10 5 3 so, so what there's, is the answer there's one mm. there's one employee mm. and he does everything <laughs> <laughs> now we there are volunteer there's volunteer editors a little bit too mm -hmm. but but then what what you realize is that the the thought is TGC Canada is a little bit a victim of its own success too because it it starts to resemble I think and we've seen this in terms of the writing quality and just the the, the look of things it starts to resemble TGC US so then people will assume that that the amount of layers of resources that are there people eyeballs looking at articles planning all of that that those layers exist for tgc canada mm. and they just don't mm. they just don't and so you've you've got uh you've got one employee and then you've got council members that are stretched across the country who are still struggling with how do we relate regionally uh how do you know how do the albertans and the quebec guys how how do they view things versus the ontario guys and how how to even talk with one another and then to try to come then to a a bit of a some type of a consensus about you know planning and angles to take mm -hmm. and so i think i think even with those issues specifically with james and tim and some of the things that went down you had a lot of regional volatility and even different approaches regionally mm. that people took right and and that actually made it difficult to know okay well where where should articles go right and even even if there was a perception even that tgc maybe uh tgc canada had maybe kind of one one angle even in the whole covid thing and 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 the relationship to the government and stuff um that was one of the reasons why myself and and a quebec pastor the alberta guy and the quebec guy <laughs> the two separatists we, the two separatists <laughs> not supposed to say that out loud <laughs> but but we wrote an article together mm. uh by that point it was more in relation to the trucker convoy but just but but just noting that these things are are expressive of of a deep sense of lament across the country where people have been hurt and it it's incumbent on us to have compassion on those who have lost their jobs because they're forced uh 
to to take a vaccine that they didn't want and so they they mm -hmm. gave up their jobs or 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 people you know just put in great hardship because they weren't able to visit loved ones because mm -hmm. of lockdowns and so that that you know just christian ethics demand that we have compassion on mm -hmm. on these people and so just kind of arguing that there's there's a reason why then the truckers for example had that advocacy mm -hmm. um so so those are some of the complexities a little bit um it's it was easier i think during that whole time for some parachurch ministries that have one focus they could be very quick and repetitive in hitting their one focus right uh they can say a lot and they can seem like oh well they're saying lots of stuff and we even had that with some of our American friends, mm. who some most of whom belong to parachurch ministries in the U.S., and they have one focus where they could just kind of keep hitting their same focus and keep commenting on the issues from the one angle. And and the challenge for us as a coalition, and, and it might be just the inherent weaknesses of the coalition, is that we have people who are agreeing to Calvinistic theology, complementarian uh, view of of roles of men and women and biblical sexuality, certainly inerrancy and just a high view of God, substitutionary atonement, all these things, and yet come from all kinds of different church traditions, different regions, different emphases. And unlike the US, uh, where I was just looking at the statistics this morning, you know, the, the lowest number of evangelicals in a state in the U.S. is 7% in Utah because it's all Mormons. Mm. That's That means, like, places like California and, and New York have lots of Christians. And I know they say 6% of e there's 6% evangelicals in Canada. I think if we really got into the numbers, I think it's closer to 2%. Right. right. And so, so I we can prefer to kind of just hive off and kind of work by ourselves it's it's a lot tidier um but but these efforts to try to work with one another uh will come and we've certainly had you know there's a lot of growing pains here and mm -hmm. there's friends that aren't friends anymore and things mm -hmm. like that but i think we want to kind of keep working towards this and even when we disagree on some of these issues we have to realize yeah but we're going to heaven together and we're sharing the same gospel mm -hmm. even if we're not handling things rightly mm -hmm. we we all have to kind of work on that triage and mm -hmm. learn how to be able to speak up and say yeah i disagree with you on a host of issues mm -hmm. but i agree with you on the gospel and i'm thankful that you're doing what you're doing yeah. on the gospel yeah. you know yeah. and so that's kind of what i'd say on that yeah well said thanks clint that's that very helpful hopefully for our listeners I, I trust that will be helpful for them to process these things and think through we haven't thought about them for a while because these things are a little bit in the rearview mirror but i imagine there's a lot of folks uh, who are you know, now that we're you know, kind of bringing it up again, they'll remember back to that and go, okay, yeah, I remember feeling this way, but this is helpful. So, so thanks for, for doing that. Is there anything, you know, as we close, is there anything you want to add or, or close with at, at all uh, before we conclude? Yeah, I, I would just say that uh, there's a great temptation right now to, to separate ourselves into tribes that are, are, are very insular and you know we're we're so scared of the the coming compromise that we won't we just won't work with anybody and what we have to realize is there are a lot of faithful people who have like i say whether it's gospel coalition or whatever it is but they've got a similar similar core theology and we need each other to 
to strengthen each other in that. And if we see cracks, if we see threats of compromise, that should prompt us all the more to encourage one another and come alongside one another and promote one another. One of the things I saw, and this was a regional difference, was that in Alberta, there was guys that really disagreed with each other on their on how to handle uh, the relationship with the government. But what they did though, they all agreed in terms of supporting one another, uh, even in hardship, whether it's pastors being jailed or, or churches in strife or churches gonna split. There was just so much encouragement one another. And I think we need more of that across Canada instead of this, well, I'm gonna be of, you know, I'm gonna get my own kind of churchy culture and we're gonna hive off over here and not, not play well with anybody else. We're just too few. In the U.S., you can get away with that. You can have quite a constituency, and that's big enough to do do things that where you agree with almost everything. You, we can't do that here. It's really tough to do. And uh, and I just encourage all your listeners promote the idea of building. Let's build stuff. Let's let's try stuff. Let's let's advance the gospel. Let's plant churches. Let's do things. Uh, while holding to then the integrity of this core and not not to shrink back because that's the temptation now as we get a little bit disappointed then we want to shrink back and like I don't I don't want to risk it anymore now let's let's risk it let's go after it that's what I'd say no I, I really really appreciate this Clint uh, your openness to kind of be able to pull that curtain back a little bit so so that we uh, we can think through these things a little bit and I think what we see is you know when you see an article or something come out that you disagree with, um, that's of, often not a bad thing because I'd be like, well, I disagree with what the Gospel Coalition put out here, and biblically, here's kind of why. It should drive me to be like, why would I disagree with it? Is it my I just feel like it, or no? Biblically, here's kind of where I would disagree, and uh, so hopefully that drives us to to know our Bibles more, to to drive into that. So really appreciate uh, your time here, Clint, um, and so. Uh, yeah, we uh, are looking forward to having this come out. And, and uh, yeah, thank you for listening to our podcast, and we will catch you next time. So, Thanks, guys. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Arena. We want to thank Jason Hofer for all of our music and editing of the podcast. If there are any topics you'd like us to cover, feel free to reach us. Email arenapodcast at hotmail.com or Twitter at arenapodcast1 and Instagram thearena.podcast. Once again, we want to thank you for stepping into the arena.